we begin today's show, we'd like to issue a heartfelt apology for missing last week. We know we had promised the week prior that we would be there, but the podcast never happened. Because you left town. Yeah, I did leave town, which we knew going into the week that I wasn't going to be there. So... It's like, it's like the podcast version of your dad saying he's going to show up and take you to a baseball game and he never shows up. Yeah. Should we have like uh, Cats in the Cradle playing right now? Or the episode of Fresh this? Prince where Will Smith's dad. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. You know the episode. And then the, the big hug at the end <laughs> oh, with, with man. Uncle Phil. Why doesn't he love me? Yeah. That was such a good episode. So Uncle sorry Phil you guys had to listen to NPR on the way home last week instead of uh, our sweet dulcet voices. All right. Well, that was our attempt at an apology from mm-hmm. uh, Nebraska 24-7 podcast to you. But now this is our attempt to start the podcast. Welcome in to the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. It is the second week of December. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson. Lots of recruiting news. We're going to go all the way back to last Wednesday when the podcast didn't happen. And Nebraska picked up a commitment from Wandale Robinson. We thought we'd be talking about this commitment on November 1st. But we didn't get to. So now we're talking about it today. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, I, it's a good thing we didn't have the podcast last week because he committed during our normal podcast time. So we would have had a disjointed podcast more so than usual. <laughs> I was going to say, what, is, what about this is different than normal? Well, we would have to insert odd audio after the fact. Wandell Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> just like drop his name into weird stuff that where it didn't really fit the sentence. I think it would have went well. I think people would have appreciated it. <laughs> I'm not going to call him Rondale Moore this week either. You promise? I promise, yeah. What did you think of the numbers that Brunch showed you about Wandale Robinson and Rondale Moore, though? Bust those out on the air if you can find them. They're pretty uh, pretty even. Even Steven? Uh, oh, I think Rondale's is a little more explosive in terms of those testing numbers, but some of that is that I think – it's what the shuttle and the vertical are the yeah, two that we have for both of them. Yeah, the the verified Nike times. Uh, Wandale last spring, thirty four point eight inch vertical shuttle, four point two seven. Uh, Rondale Moore, kind of crazy, four three three in the forty, with a four point oh one in the shuttle and a forty two point seven inch vertical. That vertical is insane. Because yeah, I think Robinson's right. a little taller than Rondale Moore, right? Uh, I think they were right around the same height. Okay. Still, that's... There uh, was a quote... That's getting up. There's a quote from one of the opponents of Wandale Robinson, uh, the coach, because he won the Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year thing, and he said he was the best football player he's seen in that state in 34 years. And that would include... That our, would. Our boy at Purdue. The, I mean, you watch his film... And, you know, testing numbers aside on one day, the kid can play. Um, And you can see why he's a perfect fit in Nebraska's offense. And it's it's been an interesting recruitment, for sure. Um, Had been silently committed to Nebraska for a while before publicly committing to Kentucky. Why, you know, I guess, what do you kind of make of the way the recruitment played out, Mike? And, I mean, what, what... Nebraska did a good job here of, of getting him back in the fold. Yeah, I don't think they ever. I don't think they ever lost him. I mean, he committed to Nebraska silently for a reason in October, and it was because he felt like they gave him the best chance to showcase his skill set 
in a multitude of ways on offense. He really liked the coaching staff, whether it was Ryan Held, whether it was Troy Walters, whether it was Scott Frost. He's going to be working with all of those guys. But he really felt at home after his visit, which he took for the game that never happened against Akron. And it, you know, what happened with Kentucky is basically some other people really got into his ear about this is, you know, where we think you need to be. This is why, blah, blah, blah. And he took it to heart and decided that, you know, these people were right. But he never really quit on his belief that Nebraska was where he needed to play. And Nebraska knew that. They knew that at the end of October. They knew that in early November. I, I mean, I can't say for certain, but based on conversations I've had, Nebraska always felt good about what their pitch was to Wandale Robinson, and they always felt like they had a very receptive customer. It's just sometimes the customer doesn't always buy right in the moment. Eventually, Wandale bought, and that's why Nebraska is going to end up with a kid that not only is a really, really talented player that could help them as early as next year, he's going to be on the team as early as next month. And I think that's a not insignificant fact either because Nebraska has to figure out how they're going to replace the production of Stanley Morgan. They also have to figure out how they're going to get more production out of their wide receivers. And lo and behold, here's an offensive dynamite athlete that I think is going to spend a lot more time at slot wide receiver than he is at running back. And so it it could really help Nebraska this spring going into next year in which there's a lot of expectations of what that offense can be. And Wandale Robinson will be a part of that. I thought he had one of the best statements I've seen from a kid when he announced why he was committing to Nebraska and, and flipping his decision. Was it hashtag blessed, hashtag no interviews? I, I don't <laughs> Respect my decision. Yeah, I don't know. Did he throw one of those in there? I don't know. I don't, I don't think he did, which added to why it was so good. <laughs> but even if there, there was a blessed or something in there, um, he really explained very in a tidy fashion basically how everyone was pulling on him. I mean, he, he got that out there, and it's one of those deals where everybody's telling you, this is what you want. Don't you see? This is what you want around him. And he knows deep down, no, that's not really what I want. I mean, that that's, seems like what it came down to. Um, and kudos to Nebraska for not panicking. For There were some people around this state and some in the fan base and even the media who kind of went after the kid a little bit in a way. Yeah, I felt like there was a fair amount of walking back yeah, last Wednesday. Yeah, there certainly was. But Nebraska's, Nebraska's staff yeah, wisely times. wisely knew they still were in good position, as you said, and they didn't get into that game. You know, you The, the guys who are in, on the inside understand how elbows out this business is when it comes to recruiting. And um, just because somebody says something on October 31st, doesn't mean that's the end of the game. And so uh, the, it, it's, it's giant. I, th- I think it changes. I think it was a good class, but I think it kind of took it from – it raised it a tier when, when he said he was coming to Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it really helps um, an offensive class that by no means is underwhelming, but it really gives them sort of a, a signature player to go along with. And I like Ramir Johnson a lot, but now you get both of them. And then you throw in – uh, Dedrick Mills, who I think could, if he you know gets the opportunity to, could replace the production of Divino Zigbo. And then you have Tompkins back there as well. Darian Chase, who we probably don't talk about enough. Jamie Nance, who I think is probably the biggest sleeper 
in Nebraska's class and another early enrollee. And I expect that there's going to be many words and, and things written about Jamie Nance when the media gets their opportunity to see him in the spring game or, you know, we get to watch 15 minutes of practice, whatever it is. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that appears because I think he's a pretty explosive guy and he gets lost in the shuffle. But Wandale just has kind of an it factor about him that, you know, I knew about Rondale Moore, even though I don't follow Purdue recruiting significantly, as much as I love Jeff Brom and everything going on over there, it's not something – I couldn't tell you who their best commit is right now, though I think they're going to get another really good wide receiver named David Bell. But I knew about Rondale Moore because he was so explosive, and I had watched those highlights, and I thought, this guy's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he would be what he was last year. But Wandale Robinson has that same sort of element where – people are going to notice pretty quickly this guy can do a lot of different things on a football field. Purdue's got a uh, four-star, almost five-star. Defensive uh, end, defensive right? Defensive end. Yeah, uh, from West Lafayette, right? Yeah, George Carroll Loftus. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't hurt right in your backyard. Definitely not. Do you think he just woke up one day and looked at that billboard, just Jeff Brom holding a football that says, let's play football, and thought, we let's, should. let's play. Yeah, we should. He's been, commit- <laughs> he's been committed to him. Since Here's o- a question. October 2017. Is it a recruiting violation if they put that Let's Play Football billboard over his house? <laughs> well, I mean, Nebraska had that very specifically placed billboard right down the street from Burke, did they not? They did. They did. Billboards. 2018's yeah. uh, new recruiting <laughs> weapon. It's the, it's the new skywriting. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Forget your shiny graphics and your edits. Just get a, get a billboard. <laughs> nobody, nobody cares about edits anymore. You're a real recruit when you get a billboard. Yeah. So I, uh, I think that Wondell Robinson, like I said, just gives them a kind of a face to that offensive side. And I think on defense they have, you know, Henrich I think kind of has that for being a local guy. Uh, so you add in some of these people – and you have Robinson. You, I already went through you know, what they have on offense a little bit. You throw in Henrich and Ben Hart. Maybe they're able to get another Robinson and Ty Robinson. There's some big, big name guys in there. And we haven't even mentioned you know, Luke McCaffrey's a four-star. Darian Chase is a four-star. Uh, they might end up with someone like Noah Pola Gates, who's a four-star. I mean, this has a potential to be a really, really good class. And that's saying a lot, given that we sat – in the the office with those you know assistants and they basically said we felt like we've been playing from behind all year and this is what we're talking about right now should should we wait to to get into the recruiting should we just get right into the recruiting well, i mean aren't we already we're, into we're, it we're kind of in it i guess but yeah well there was no game played either so that's what i understand we can uh, are you referring to the housekeeping news of of departures and whatnot yeah we, we can do the departures later it's okay fine. i think the, the recruiting is probably the biggest uh biggest draw here I what guess. what have you noticed either of you uh just kind of following the last 10 days or so of contact period visits what they've been doing out on the road any thoughts as to what nebraska has done during this time I've liked that it seems like the plan that they've got, and I think it's helped that they've been able to narrow in on probably, what, eight to ten guys that they're yeah. really focused on. But the the efficiency with which they've gotten around to guys, I, I think has been the thing that stood out to me. I mean, you have 
last week where they, they go in home with Noah Pola Gates, but they stop through Palm Springs on the way and see Detona Jackson, the, the junior college defensive end. And that was before seeing Darian Chase just working their way down the, right. the coast so, a little so, bit. So, you know, the, they've done that. They had the whole staff in to see Wandale Robinson. They had the whole staff in to see Lloyd Summerall. It just seems like they're really doing a nice job of honing in on their guys and, and really making a pretty impressive show of force when – you know, you're having to bring in extra chairs to fit all the coaches who are in your living room. Yeah. If if there was a show last week and I would have been on it, I would have mentioned that one of the big things to me is that I think you can tell a value system of Atlanta by the fact that they spent multiple days there. There's multiple recruits that they like there, both that they already had committed and that they would like to have, uh, add onto their, their commitment list. I think that's kind of really important. I mean, Frost basically spent close to one and a half, two full days in the Atlanta area. That's a good opportunity to get through high schools. It's a good opportunity to really pitch Nebraska in what I think they feel is a spot that they can have some success in, and they have had some success in. So that jumped out a lot to me. I really like that they didn't they didn't use Frost for specific early visits on major targets but instead they got him out to see you know whether it was uh Jameen graham or jimmy fritchie or when they were recruiting him before they got wandale robinson uh winston wright and they just they used him right away like that was just a you know throw it right out there this is our our big pitch i i like that because i mean what it does is then he's able to double back and go to some of these other ones that he needed to uh he still has ty robinson Later in the week, he went to Pola Gates. Last week, he went to Summerall. Earlier this week, he went to uh, Wandale Robinson, who had already committed by that point on Sunday. So I, I just think that that tells me a lot about – or Monday, I think, right? Monday? Monday, Sunday, someday. Uh, it, it just tells me that they, they had a pretty good plan that they put forward, but it also says – they really wanted to get him in that Atlanta area and, and get him around to some of those schools. Yeah, you, you mentioned Atlanta area. This is the time where everybody looks for themes. Like, what's the theme of this recruiting cycle? Last year, there was a big thing about the JUCOs, you know, and getting f- five guys. I'm looking at the state breakdown of their commits. 14 different states are represented. Five are from in-state. And then Georgia, that's the story. Georgia, like, right. you're getting... That's four of them. And that could still grow. Yeah. I mean, Georgia could end up leading this thing, right? So uh, that's right now one of the huge storylines is they have found a state in the southeast that they feel like they can make a lot of hay. They are making it. And we've heard – this staff has mentioned that state. I remember when they first got here, some guys mentioned Georgia, and they thought they could get some stuff done. And they had good connections there. And we've seen Nebraska dip into that area before, like Charlton Warren had some good connections when he was here. But I don't know that we've seen this success where it's four guys and growing in that state. It makes sense, though, because, I mean, during that conversation that we had with the recruiting staff back in November, when they were at UCF, there were three states that they evaluated the entire state for guys. It was Florida, Alabama, where they've also had. Yeah, I was just going to say Alabama is like their – some rare success. The next one, yeah. And then Georgia. And, you know, so it's not uncharted territory. You've got a guy like, um, I'm blanking on Sean Becton, who, you know, knows that state really well. Um, 
has and, been recruiting Georgia for years. Yeah, so I, that, that those connections really make a difference. And, you know, I, I think if you can do your homework and find guys that are talented players who, you know, maybe aren't going to rise to the level of, say, you know, an absolute must-take for a team like Georgia, because I think you're always going to be challenged to recruit head-to-head with Georgia and Auburn. I mean, Auburn. Georgia, Auburn, well. Alabama. Or the top level, right? Yeah, but if you can find those guys that are right. like those high three-star guys, that that's a good place to live, I think, if you're a team like Nebraska trying to come in from another time zone to recruit there. That's you know, a good billboard for Atlanta. Atlanta, a good place to live if you're Nebraska. <laughs> that could be a new state motto. In Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, they seem like they're soliciting anyone that they can get to do it. So True. Two states not with no commits – Florida and California. That's kind of a surprise. A little bit. California isn't a huge surprise, even though they did get Adrian Martinez and Maurice Washington is originally from California. They haven't invested a ton of resources into recruiting that state. They brought one official visitor, I think, this year from California and Donovan West, the offensive lineman who I think committed Arizona State. I don't know if they've had any other visitors come from there. I don't know if they've spent really any time in Los Angeles. Andre Hunt is a third part of the right. the California guys they have from last year. Verduzco's been out there, but, I mean, he's looking at specific quarterbacks right. in 2021. So. And he's been north for the most part, too. Um, rather – well, no, I guess he would have went down into the – He was in uh, San Diego, yeah. La Jolla area yep. last week in L.A. So, they haven't, they haven't spent a lot of time there. Florida is one where they've spent a lot of time – but there just hasn't worked out to where they've either landed the guys that they're mm-hmm. they're going after, or they're they're still targeting Lloyd Summerall. That's still kind of the big one there. And then there's a lot of uh, people that might pop up in January, so to speak, that they like. I think is potential recruits during that second period, like a second wave of guys beyond this first group. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those being somebody like Miles Bell. I know there's a couple wide receivers they like. There might be a defensive tackle down there that they like. So there's there's certainly people in Florida, but it just hasn't gone how you would expect when the entire staff left a state where they had recruited so much and they had all of those connections. And they, they brought people from Florida right. immediately. So that's been kind of interesting to, to note as well. And then even Texas, I think they have one commitment out of Texas right now. Is that right? None. None. So there's the three biggest yeah, states. Yeah, I didn't mention Texas. Yeah. So the three biggest states are at zero. They could end up with Brant Banks, so that would be one. Uh, they did bring in some people from Texas as well, though. So that's, that's a state where I think they're going to recruit more heavily uh, than California. But uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating. You're going to put together a class, and right now you don't have anybody in there, and they still have a really good class. There are only three states where they have multiple commits in Nebraska, Georgia, and they have two in Colorado. Everybody, every other state has one, one commit. I believe Banks is the only official visitor they've had from Texas. Really, the only the other California official visitor was Drew Mathis, San That's Diego right. guy, JUCO guy. So, yeah. You also don't you don't really hear about the 500 mile radius anymore, do you? I think it's a big deal for them. They don't talk you, about it in the same way. A, they yeah. don't have to put a but big I, label on it for everybody. It's very much uh, – I mean, one of the things they even said is that they felt like there was guys in that radius that they didn't get a chance to evaluate as early as they would have liked. 
specifically in Illinois and Indiana. Uh, I, I think that you'll see you, – you know it's a value because of the, the way that guys like Turner uh, Corserin and, and Nash Hutmacher are such huge targets for right. Nebraska. Uh, and they brought in so many 2020 guys from the area already that I, I think that it's a big deal. They just haven't well talked about it in the same way. I mean, geez, the one day we were over there talking to the recruiting guys, you know, one of them had been looking at guys in Iowa specifically, the yeah. top 20 guys yep. for the whole day. So they're obviously uh, dialed into what's right around them. But uh, you do not hear them make a public uh, deal about it in the same right. way, which yeah. I kind of appreciate in a way. We're a week away from signing day. What uh, Give us two or three things to watch. Uh, you know, it's always interesting as to who signs that's committed. Do all of Nebraska's commits actually sign? And I I don't mean that as some sort of like tease to there's some big news behind it. It's just, Mm. (laughs) I appreciate the sound effects we've got going on here. People could have seen the visuals that go along with it too. They would have been impressed. But there was a couple guys last year, CJ Smith being one of them, uh, that didn't. I anticipate most, if not all, that are committed outside of, you know, somebody like Desmond Bland that academically they don't know where he's going to be at in terms of everything until maybe next period. So I would I would otherwise look for Nebraska to to be sitting well, but there's always maybe one or two guys that chooses to wait till February, and I find that always kind of interesting too. Do you, do you think you're going to see more of that though? Because I feel like now the second time around – Schools are going to say, okay, you don't sign now, you know, sorry. Like, we're, right, we're not yeah. holding your spot. Cause well, I, look I'm, at Miles Jones. Miles Jones visited Vanderbilt right before signing day, chose not to sign, visits Nebraska right after the period opens and flips. I mean, right. I, I feel like C.J. Smith is almost a aberration of the guys who didn't sign that then stuck with their initial team. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't imagine Nebraska would I – mean, they would – probably force a signature from Smith, I think, if they had to do it over again. I mean, if, they, if it was right. this year. Well, and it, it sort of depends. I don't know if there was any sort of academic portion to it, too, but there's no value in having a guy that might be a risk sign in December. There's just not. You might as well wait and go all the way to February with it. It's, it's going to be fascinating, too, to see how many recruiting violations get committed um, with these guys who are – signing but not announcing their decision until you know three weeks from now or something like that because you can't you other schools can't recruit a kid who's right but isn't it known when a kid signs that i mean i'm pretty sure the ncaa knows who signs and that information would be available to schools maybe it might might not be publicly available i'm pretty sure it's not the guy's retro ear and they knew this yes i mean (laughs) If we're using Auburn as an example of things, there's certainly the possibility that exists. Just saying. But I would, I would hope you do due diligence on this. One would hope. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to be in contact with the guidance counselors in the schools anyways, right? But, yeah, I, uh, I do think this signing and then trying to hold off on announcing is a really unlikely-to-happen move. I, just, I don't see it going well for people that try it. What would you say are the – give me two, the two biggest needs to finish. Two biggest needs? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I still think pass rush. 
whether that's you know you want to have it as a defensive end or an outside linebacker they they got to get one more outside linebacker you have Jameen Graham you have Garrett Nelson I like both of those guys I don't know if either is helping you in 2019 that's where maybe somebody like an Amari Barno mm-hmm. uh, might be more likely to help your your team he's a junior college guy from Independence not Independence from Butler from yeah. Butler Community College basically one of the the linebackers that stepped in for their three D one guys they had last year. So they obviously put people into uh D one. I think all of those guys were power five as well. So Barno is, is one. I mean if you can get a Lloyd Summerall, that would be a huge deal. Nebraska sent their entire staff. Uh I don't know if they have a chance to pull him out of the state of Florida, but they certainly are are going after him hard. And then beyond that I still think they need to get another impact player in the secondary. I mean, you you hope if you're a Nebraska fan that it's Noah Pola Gates. If it's not him, uh, from there, you know, I really like Jamel Starks. I think Jamel Starks is probably their second-best defensive back on that board. Uh, so maybe maybe him. But I'll, I'll be curious, you know, so you, have, you have essentially Pola Gates, Starks, Mayo, Wallace, there's a couple other people too. I mean, DB is going to be kind of interesting to track how that all charts out. And we won't know on Pola Gates until the Polynesian Bowl, even though he does still continue to plan to sign on uh, signing day next week. Good. Brunch, do you have anything you would like to add? Uh, well, the interesting part to me, the defensive back thing is interesting. Cause I think you've, it seemed like you just had like this huge pool of guys yep. for – a number of months. It felt a little bit like the way that Verduzco went about their quarterback recruiting, where it's like, we like any of these guys. We'll take the two that want in. Anybody that uh, doesn't say yes early enough, too right. bad. Yeah. I mean, that's that group is probably what I'll be watching. I think you're right about I mean, outside linebacker, they have to get more talented there. Um, and you've got some really big decisions coming up in the next few days of – you know, Ty Robinson, a guy they've been pursuing for how long? Um, Frost still going in home with him yet? Uh, you know, do they get a defensive end, a junior college defensive end? I mean, that, I don't think they need a junior college defensive end. Yeah, I mean, it's there's just a, it feels like there's a lot of like, okay, right. we'll take this guy and this guy, and then maybe this guy if we don't get this guy. Right. I mean, it's you're, you're tetrising together a class. All the pieces are there, but how they fit together is going to be really fascinating to watch. Do you guys anticipate any surprises between now and next Wednesday? Not, no, not the, I, the thing that stands out to me about this whole cycle for a staff that's fairly new is how just stable it's been and straightforward. Yeah, it's it's you know you haven't had a lot of decommitments or there hasn't been some crazy uh, Kendall Bussy type story that everybody's trying to track for three months where it's this school and that school and it's straightforward is a word it's just been a straight line where they they picked up more commits than i would have ever guessed in season and it's changed december as as opposed to where you thought it might be a december where the first Ooh, they're weeks, scrambling the yeah. yeah you know they add they you would i would have guessed before the year that like there would have been like three or four commits to Nebraska the last two weeks because I would have thought they only had like 15 in the bank at mm-hmm. the end of the season. 
and that's where they caught me off guard i guess is how well they did in 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 year which we haven't seen here you mentioned just kind of that scramble and i think that they're i think a lot of schools scramble in, in a way where you know you, you might find a guy late or something like that that you i mean in nebraska it's been crazy um in some years where it was like adding 10 guys in the last 30 days of a recruiting class for example but I think you have to give credit to the staff because even though they were behind, what you're, you know, there's going to be a lot of late decisions and a lot of guys getting into this class, but it's guys that have been known about for 10 months or, you know, guys that they've hosted and visited a couple times yep. during this process. It's not this just like scattering planes all over the place trying to find somebody to fill out a class. It's just much more better planned. And I, I'm, really interested but this 2020 class how they're going to do because you're you're going to have most of your 19 class wrapped up in january so you're going to get a huge head start there they've been evaluating ahead for 2020 for the past year they've hosted a number of guys they already like they've hosted a ton of those guys you're going to get a pre-february signing day junior day to get a lot of those guys on campus again it's lining up pretty well i think for nebraska in 2020 um and, and especially if they can put it together on the field it's going to get real interesting agreed absolutely well do we want to jump into the uh the roster news sure that justin mcgriff is no longer going to be playing outside linebacker at nebraska that was one of the weirder things that have come out of the last couple of weeks is that he had actually spent the last few weeks of the season at outside linebacker after already transitioning to tight end after already starting at wide receiver. And I'm not surprised because, to me, it felt like there was just no home for him at those positions. And I think that – you know, I, I think he's a talented kid. He'll probably go have six, success somewhere. But it just felt like, especially with tight end, where were you going to play him? I mean, they like Katarian Legrone a lot, and he redshirted and only saw the field in one game. And Stoll is, what, a junior? So you got a lot of people in front of you. I mean, even somebody like Chris Hickman faces pretty long odds until he's going to see the field. It, it's When you start getting into multiple position changes, that's never a good sign yeah. for a player. I mean, one, yeah, maybe. You make a second position change within one year of being on campus, that, that's where you kind of start to wonder, you know, what's this guy's outlook going to be because – it's, it's kind of what's the old quarterback thing. If you, you play two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. where You, just you don't, play two positions, you don't have one? Yeah, you're just a guy. Just a dude. Yeah. Just a dude. I think McGriff's situation combined with the fact that they felt they could move Cameron Jurgens to center speaks to how good they feel about their tight ends. That's you a good know. point. I, mean, I forget I, about Jer. I forget that Jurgens was nominally a tight end for a while. Yeah. Well, I I I asked Scott Frost about that at one of the press conferences, and he said the first thing about the Jurgens thing was that he just thought he'd be a better O lineman. That's where it starts. But there is a peace of mind when you know you can move a guy from that position which you thought he might play as when you recruited him because you've got Stoll for two more years, you got Allen and Raftall for three more years. And this is kind of getting into another subject, but I've been writing these things in it. How do you place, replace 1,004 yards from Stanley Morgan? Well, I suspect the tight ends, which had about 350 yards combined last year, 
I think that might double this season. I really double. do. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because I think if you look at Raftall and Allen's numbers, they only actually caught like six passes. And most of it is on that one play yeah. at Ohio State. So I And you know that's going to go way up. And Stoll was getting more and more comfortable. It felt like every week he was becoming more a part of like, okay, they, they trust him. You know, they went to him on that fourth down play against Ohio State on the first series, and he made a great play. And I think he's been a better receiver than I would have ever guessed when he was recruited. I don't know what you thought, but I kind of thought he was more of a blocking. Yeah, he was. Tight end. He would have been the first to say that. I don't. I think he had like less than ten receptions in his career when he committed to Nebraska. But a guy like McGriff sees that he's got all the tools physically, but you know he looks at the log jam and you don't know where you're gonna get on the field. Yeah, and he. Uh, I mean. To McGriff's credit, and we all noticed it too, he stayed and did extra work as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it was no issue of buy-in or anything like that. I mean, it just wasn't the right fit for him. Uh, I'll be curious where he resurfaces. You make an interesting point. So a couple of those guys from the 2018 class have already changed positions. When you look at the 2019 class as it stands, is there anybody that jumps out to you that you think – what he's listed at now could end up being a little bit different. Mm. A position change from what he's yes. been. Well, I mean, where, where does Ethan Piper? Yeah, he's one. Well, both of the guys I think of, and technically there's maybe three. All are Nebraska kids. I mean, I think Garrett Nelson's a defensive end. I think he ends up as a defensive end. I think he's basically been Stilly reincarnate in that this first year. Or Better hair. Was that? He's got better hair than Stilly does. Well, I mean, that's that's for you to decide. Who? Garrett Who's? Nelson. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> He's got. Did you just just pop into the conversation here? I blanked out. I was looking. I was researching, <laughs> and so I wanted to. And it was valuable to me to f- figure out whose hair we were talking about. Gotcha. Like, this is really crucial. <laughs> so I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if by his second or third year in the program, Garrett Nelson's along the defensive line. And then with even Piper, it wouldn't be shocking if maybe he moves over to the offensive side, where I think he's a really athletic guy that could easily handle the interior on your offensive line too. But he intrigues me as a potential nose tackle too. So those those are the ones that jump out. Chris Hickman maybe from tight end to defensive end. But I he would need to really just go bananas in Nebraska's strength and conditioning program Mm -hmm. to look like any sort of defensive ends that Nebraska actually has on its roster right now. And that's kind of true for tight end too, because he's got a ways to go, I think. But it is interesting to me how, since I've been covering football, how much more blurred the lines have become between positions and Scott Frost staff in particular, like it used to be so defined, like you're running back. You're a wide receiver. And when I look at this class, I admit I've even texted you guys sometimes, like, what are we calling this guy? Like, you know, because, like, there, there'll be a player who's an athlete who you could be a running back, could be a receiver, and it, 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 it's the same way yeah. on the back seven. Like, when you get to guys who are – like, I remember when JoJo Doman, they switched him on the depth chart to outside linebacker that one time, and we make a big deal about it. Like, oh, man. JoJo Doman switch position from safety to outside backer. You talk to coaches, they're like, eh, it's just like a nickel 
outside he's basically the same guy we just think he's a better matchup at that spot against this particular team and it's that has really shifted in football I think over the last 10 to 15 years and I think this staff in particular um is not going to put labels on guys near as much as yeah. we, as we like to it's funny because you just talking about that made me think of two other people Javen Wright, Miles Farmer. Both of those guys could be outside linebackers by the time they finish their right. career. They're both tall. They both were recruited a little bit as potential outside linebackers. They both could be big safeties that move down to outside linebacker. So there's a couple of other guys to think of. Anybody we're forgetting, Bronx? No, I, I was going to say Miles Farmer. I got a couple texts after he committed to Nebraska from people saying that they really, really liked that commitment. For, for Nebraska and kind of what his potential is as like either a safety or, mm-hmm. you know, put on some weight and, and maybe play elsewhere. But those are, I, I always forget about Wright. He's another guy that yeah. you put 20, 30 pounds on him. Um, that's a pretty athletic outside linebacker. I yeah. agree. Jamie Nance could play defensive back if they needed him to. I don't think that he ever will, but uh, Luke McCaffrey could play a different position, but I don't think he ever will either. He's very much a quarterback for Nebraska, despite people really wanting to put him at wide receiver. Yep. So, any uh, any other team news before we get into the Nebraska basketball discussion? Well, uh, I mean, do we need to touch on the Adrian Martinez hype train? It's already loading up passengers. Touch on it, or are we chasing this thing down to see if we can jump onto it? We're running down the platform. Were we the ones really trying to throw the coal into the train when Nebraska was struggling, but we were talking about how great Adrian was? The, the the conductors on the back of the tra- in the caboose just watching us run along the platform like idiots to catch up with the train. I think that's what's going on here. Both of you guys have been on like a train that has gone not just like a, a public transportation train, a but train like a, train. Yeah, a real train. Yeah. Have you been on a train? Yeah. Only at the zoo. Okay, that <laughs> that's that's pretty representative. I think Is of it? what most trains are. <laughs> little kids. Did they have a dining car? Cotton candy. That's the only train I've ever been yeah. on. Well, you, Unless I mean, you count like Spaghetti trains. Works in the old market, <laughs> the salad bar. <laughs> I, uh, That's also pretty accurate, I think. <laughs> a salad bar. I've never ridden in an actual train that yeah. isn't just like a public transportation one. Yeah, it's fun. Train travel. You did it in China, is that right? Oh, yeah. Is that less fun? Uh, not when, it, when it's packed to the gills, it's not very fun. Yeah. But... We need something else. I did other. 56 hours on a train on like oh a my. church pew. My goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Was, yeah. No, that's all right. No, I <laughs> want to hear more about this. <laughs> well, no, they, they, they had like the fast trains and then they had the really cheap slow trains. And 10 years ago, they just had like the really slow trains. And we took a really slow train from like the east to the west. And it was 56 hours of just sitting there. What did you do? Played cards. Red. It was a simpler time. Stare back, <laughs> back at other people. I bet there's a lot of staring going on in a train. <laughs> that's that's why Bruns is so learned. He uh, spends times on a lot of times to reflect trains and thinks and yeah. looks out at the pasture. Just, Do you have favorite train reading material? <laughs> just just books. Just books. <laughs> Any kind of book. Just books. Yeah. It's got a beginning. Just middle, books and of a general kind. English. Oh, English books. That's good to know. I was going to say we need something else other than hype train. Like the, we need another uh, another phrase. metaphor. Yeah, something else. We're going to have to come up with something and start that. Yeah, we can dream that up, I think. Do we need a hype cast specifically for 
Where we, we dream just, Martinez. We just brainstorm something. How about Adrian Martinez hype <laughs> cast. Heisman hype cast. How about every? Oh God, we're gonna have a new hype cast next year. Every podcast between now and next year's Heisman, we uh, assess we, where he's. We at. do a hype update for that week if it's changed. A, <laughs> so, hype, a hypometer. Where where the Martinez? We can't even hype promise is? to do a podcast every week, but now we're doing a hypometer. We'll do a special hypometer. Okay. Well, we'll start it right now. Okay. Uh, what is it? A one to ten scale? It's your thing, so I'm gonna let you take it over. I, I think a one to ten scale. And we can compare to where it was last week, in terms of, in terms of hype. I would say right now because you're already seeing him co- come up in offshore, offshore books. Uh, Jose today writing about it. I'd say it's probably at a solid eight right now. Oh, maybe a seven. Because every because no, I would say an eight. Because the caveat right now is oh, if you're looking for a dark horse, look Wait, at Adrian Martinez. You can't be a dark horse when everyone's talking about it. You, you're not a dark horse if you can. <clears throat> be bet on this early is that is that fair i think that's fair okay I, I think an eight is fair and i think it's also fair to ponder this question is the eight as high as he will get for all of 2019 yeah that's hard i that's why i said seven i think good because you wanted to be able to go up I, I needed some upward movement well right now so that list that usa today put out tate martell ohio state's backup quarterback <laughs> was on that list would you right now because I know that you occasionally indulge in a not occasionally a, f- a friendly wager. Um, they haven't been friendly lately for stakes. Um, S t a k e s. That would you bet Adrian <laughs> yeah, I Martinez? Bet, I bet for Omaha stakes every yeah. week. <laughs> Beef. Um, <laughs> Tate Martell or Adrian Martinez right now on December twelfth. Who are you taking? Adrian Martinez. I think he's a better quarterback to start with. Yeah, he's actually done things. Is that he's done some things. Yeah. I, I'll i be curious. I mean, does Ohio State not have anyone else to take that job? Well, I, th- I think it was kind of Tate was the guy in waiting. The The problem with Tate Martell and an offense that depends on high uh, efficiency is that he hasn't been particularly efficient. <clears throat> but he, he's a very good runner. He is. Um. So, you know, I don't know what Ryan Day's ultimate plan is or what he wants this thing to look like, but if Tate Martell is how the Ryan Day experience is really going to start at Ohio State, they're going to have to change how their offense is. Here's your USA Today list. It's Tua, Dwayne Haskins, Trevor Lawrence. Jeez. Is Trevor Lawrence good? I never watch Clemson. Yeah. They're, they're, he's, he's, they're borderline unwatchable most of the time. He's pretty good. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, That's the Wisconsin running back? Yeah. George's is starting, Hornybrook on the list? No. Shock. George's starting quarterback, whomever that is. <laughs> then Adrian Martinez, Justin Herbert, uh, Rondale Moore at 9, and Mackenzie Milton at 10. So there's one, two non-quarterbacks. Yes. So Martinez is like 7th on the list right now? Six? Yeah. 7th. And the also under consideration, you got J.K. Dobbins, who's intriguing there. Uh, Texas's quarterbacks, Ellinger. Jacob Eason at Washington, JT Daniels. I mean, it's – of that group, I would put Adrian Martinez higher than seven for, you know, people who are known quantities. Yeah. Well, I think a, at least several people of that group won't be back. Right. So you get some upward mobility there. I think he's – legitimately going to be a Heisman candidate going into the fall. And Nebraska is going to be the – if Adrian Martinez is a dark horse Heisman candidate, 
Nebraska is going to be the dark horse sleeper team that by yeah. early August is no longer a sleeper and is the most woke known about team in the entire country at that point. Well, if they're four and zero, if they handle business early, then they get the Ryan which Day is a experience. Big if. That game, of course, will be huge for Nebraska, but that will be the okay, the national look at Adrian Martinez. Basically. What percent chance do you give that game day is at Nebraska? And we're for not going to say anything State negative game. about game day. Because well, one time the we podcast said, did get in trouble for talking about game day. One time you we know what? said we weren't big fans of it, and like, look, it's, it's our podcast. We can talk how we want. Um, it, it I was, might be a big deal to some. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why, but I would say uh, 80% chance if both teams are undefeated. Whoa. I think That's that, fair. There's not a lot of good So is that like here. 100% chance game day's here? What do you mean? If, if both teams are undefeated, how is game day not going to be in Lincoln? Well, that's what I'm saying. You I said 80%. 80%. I thought he was saying 80% that they're undefeated. No, no. I, I, you might be right. I mean, well, you're not 100, but... 80 to, I think it's 80 to 85% yeah. chance. I guess I don't know what the rest of the schedule is, but. I like how I'm really like, well, it's 80 to 85. It's definitely in that range. Um, <laughs> but not, it's 80, higher than 70. 83% is your number. Oh. Um, but oh. Uh, 83% chance because I think, you know, when game day has come to Nebraska, it's been a big freaking deal. They'll have like a record crowd if they put it in the stadium. And they haven't been here in forever. You know, and so they they would be looking forward to that, and it would probably be a game they could put on ABC at seven, and Herb Street doesn't have to get on a plane. Except Fox, they'll have the rights to it, yeah, so it'll could, be an eleven a.m. kick, boys. Well, I'm all right with that. that. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah. Team eleven. Fans would be so ticked <laughs> off though if that game is eleven a.m. That people are. Their patience is worn thin with the 11 a.m.s. I don't know why. I would have thought that this year you would have been – this is the best year that they had 11 a.m. games. Right? You just get them out of the no. way and Nebraska's struggling. I think so. I mean, I I love everything about next year's schedule, though, as you guys know. I've, I've Yeah, we can get into that a little bit. I, you you wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But we haven't had a chance to talk well, about it. Well, I think it. it's just a cool road schedule. I mean, it's the first time they go to Maryland. That one's in November, so I don't know how many people are going to go to that. Do you anticipate you'll have a crab cake on that trip? Yes, I do. <laughs> are, you, are you a crab cake guy? Oh yeah. All right, I didn't. I Lo- didn't know. Love them is. This, like this wasn't one of the things we discussed when you considered coming no, it's on board. Something, here. You, something I should have made known about me because I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I love crab cakes. How do you feel about them? Uh, they're fine. Oh, that's. <laughs> I'm I'm a hundred percent with brunch on this. Luke I've had man. them several times. I've never been unhappy that I've had a crab cake. I've also never been like, oh, I want 15 of these. BC is a, a pretty, pretty, you're pretty worldly with your, your food on road trips. Am I? <laughs> Ohio State, we get there, you immediately destroy like a plate of latkes and a giant pastrami sandwich. <laughs> what, was the, what was the name of that place we were at? I don't remember. I've they never been the, so welcomed in a place in my life. They're the friendliest people. This lady was coming up and like hugging Brunson and I like we were family. I thought we were going to get invited to somebody's wedding. Like that yeah. Saturday, yeah. But BC, how how big was that plate of, of latkes that you were served? It was way too much. Like this, it was like a hubcap. Frankly, it wasn't that good. <laughs> the the we, we politely didn't say that though. <laughs> yeah, they were so nice, but the the real question about this road trip is: Will Brian be prepared for three Floyd's Brewing this year? 
That's a good question. <laughs> you don't got to get into that. Well, we don't have to get into it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> One of America's finest breweries, and the night ended with a very intense discussion about whether you were Team Rachel or Team... Uh... Courtney Cox or Jennifer yeah. Aniston, yeah. 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 Anyways. Courtney Cox. <laughs> Digress. Um, but yeah, great road schedule. Maryland's good. Colorado yeah. in September. Minnesota, which I like going to Minnesota. Yeah. Of course, I... You know, I have my connections. Let's go! But they play them in October. So it's mid-October, so you're not going to have to deal with, like, a terrible weather day probably. Um, And then the home schedule, and this is probably why they felt they could raise ticket prices $3 this year, um, (laughs) even though they're 4 and 8. Well, probably. I don't know. Just the way you said that was great. Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. It's all. It's a good year. The the only downside is that trip to Illinois. Yeah. And Purdue, right? Yeah. Oh, I like Purdue. I'm fine with that trip. The the Illinois is the, go the to, bottom of go the barrel. Go to San Elmo, maybe? Uh, Indianapolis? No. I'll go where needed. Okay. Anyway, good schedule. That's all I have to say about that. Um, anything else? Football? No, I think we've exhausted football, and people want to discuss basketball. Where Nebraska had something happened over the weekend well, with Nebraska basketball. Before that, and and there was no podcast last week to discuss it. Nebraska's season ended when it lost a conference game at Minnesota, and then was totally revitalized and is now will be the fifth seed in Hartford, Connecticut. Totally redeem yourself after beating Creighton. Is that fair? Because the swings of the Nebraska basketball fan base right now. Are pretty people uh, got to chill a little bit. It, there's gonna be no chill though. Like they I, got I think to. I text you about this <laughs> that the whole thing feels like this endless is Joe Flacco elite debate, right? Like it's just it, it horrible. This <laughs> is different than football though, and some people got to adjust a little bit. Yeah. They can lose ten games and still be an eight seven seed and win a game in the tournament and have it be the greatest year in Oscar basketball history. The, the yeah, the, the the it's whiplashy. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's the the change from that Wednesday game, and even within that game itself, was hard to handle. But I mean, it's the same. That Texas Tech game was the same way. And, and granted, they didn't play well, but yeah. Texas Tech's a lot better, I think, than what they're, they're still undefeated, right? Being given credit for, yeah. yeah. They got Duke coming up, but. Yeah. They're a top 10 team right now. And the Seton Hall win. The Seton Hall win. Got a win. boost with the, being in Kentucky. Clemson yeah. wins good. Clemson wins going to be good. Um, I mean, maybe you catch a break even Fullerton plays well in their conference. They are a tournament team last year. But, it's. I mean, it's going to be that way. And and that's what happens when you kind of have a, a coach in a situation that Tim Miles is in where you got to win some games and you've got the best team that you've had in how many years at your disposal. That being said, they kicked the crap out of Creighton, which I think a lot of people had fun with. Oh, it was glorious. That was the second-best crowd to no-sit Sunday, I think. There wasn't much blue in the arena, which surprised me, because that hasn't always been the case. And it really felt like from the moment James Palmer hit that first three to the the moment Johnny Trueblood got to go on the floor, people were (laughs) out for blood. Like, it was a very intense crowd. Uh, I mean... Johnny I don't know Trueblood. how you sense it when you're at the 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 press seating area. But. Neut- neutrally. <laughs> of course. That's how I sense it. Of course. But in the in regards to like the intensity, I mean I thought it was really ratcheted up. 
from the from the fan perspective. People were like ready to go. I felt kind of like Creighton entered a hornet's nest a little bit. It was. I like the fact that they finally play that game in Lincoln on a Saturday or like a weekend because it's always been a, a Sunday game when yeah. they play at Creighton. Mm-hmm. And in Nebraska, it's been uh, like a Wednesday night or, or something like that. And I, I agree. I mean, it, people were were pissed. I mean, they were, they were pissed. And you, you get the first three shots made by Palmer. Everybody's dialed in there. You get the double tech that kind of added a little bit of juice to it too. And just the way that Nebraska really blew that game open in the first half, I mean, it was a perfect storm in a lot of ways for – that crowd to just really kind of blow the roof off the place. Yeah. I, well, when they got up 21, what was it, like 10, 12 minutes into the game pretty much? Mm-hmm. They're up 21. Then it felt to me like Tim Miles already had pressure, but that's where it is. Like, man, the weight of this is huge. Like, they cannot blow this game now. They're up 12 against Minnesota and yeah. lost. Yeah. yeah, especially after that, and especially because you've lost every game to Creighton. This would be like – Falcons blowing 28-3 lead around here, you know. People would just not let it go. And it would be it would be hard to recover from as much as we joke about like kind of the up and down. It would have been it would be so negative right now for this full week where you can't even play a game midweek that it would it would be difficult to come back from. And you'd always have it hanging over the season. It's one of those things where like even last year when they were making a run it kind of put a damper on the season for like a few weeks after it when they lost to CU, you know, there's kind of that feeling, well, you lost to Creighton again. Um, And that's just, that's tough to deal with. But Thomas Allen, I did not, Tom Tom. Allen, as you call him, who you would trust as your realtor Mm -hmm. and you would trust him against Creighton in a rivalry game. He he could do my taxes and also go coast to coast after a rebound and steal. He blocked a shot, didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. He was so much faster than I recall ever seeing him. You think it's just as simple as he was that juiced up for his dad being there? I think everybody kind of assumed that he was going to be Ray Gallegos when he's actually a pretty well-rounded player. Mm-hmm. He might be their second-best guy driving to the hoop on their team right now. And that's assuming James Palmer resumes being James Palmer from last year, which he hasn't really shown a lot this year. He did in the Clemson game, and it was huge because it carried Nebraska down the stretch. But he hasn't driven as much this year. And if that means that it opens more for Allen to do that against defenses that aren't prepared for it, he has the ability to finish at the rim and uh, was very quick with the ball. And he also shot it well. I mean, every one of their starters played well on on Saturday. That hadn't happened all year. Roby had his best game of the year, uh, you know, after putting up with pot shots from people like me that continually question – how this guy is going in the NBA draft when he can't dribble 90% of the time. He had a great game. <laughs> I think he just threw another one there. I did. But he's, he's pot so talented. Pot shots. He's very, very, very talented. But there's just moments in these games where it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. But he didn't have one of those on Saturday against Creighton. He was very good. They had no answer for him on both ends of the court. Well, they need another one Sunday. Yep. Because that would uh... – that would complete that four-game little, you know, stint in the schedule they had. Where they go it, three and one, and I think three and one was kind of the magic number. Like the Minnesota loss was rough because you control a game for thirty-four minutes, but if you have 
a win over Okie State, Creighton, and your one and one in conference play. Um, Clemson win. You're playing from ahead now, yeah. which is obvious in how the brackets are looking. Not you don't want to read too much in the December brackets, but that shapes the, the discussion somewhat. Just like preseason rankings doing football, and it gets in people's heads a little bit. And if Nebraska establishes themselves leaving 2018 as like a five or four seed or something, they've got wiggle room, which is a nice change of pace from how we're used to Husker basketball kind of having a scrap from behind it the big 10 schedule and we can get into this in a couple weeks here or next week or whenever is going to be real interesting because that conference is really good this year um i mean when you've got well minnesota showed it right six or seven teams that are legit top 25 teams another two or three getting votes i mean there's not going to be many easy gimme games and and that's i think what's so disappointing about the way that that minnesota game went is you've got a chance to go and get a road win in conference that are gonna be really hard to come by this year and you don't get it i mean that that's probably going to be one that unfortunately when it comes to tournament time i think they're going to be kicking themselves for a little bit because that i I think minnesota's better than what people thought they were going to be this season and you need those types of road wins um to really bolster that resume. So, and, and it's, you know, Nebraska right out of the gates. I think they get Iowa and Maryland on the road to start Big Ten play. It's, uh, you know, going to be pretty tough right out of the gates because both of those teams are who Nebraska beat last year are a lot better. What do you anticipate for Sunday? Do you see any sort of uh, emotional drop for Nebraska? They're on the road. They're playing, uh, well, neutral site, I guess, at least. They're playing a team that's more similar than not to Creighton, though, uh, in that they want to. Oklahoma State wants to push it. They want to quicken the pace. They like to shoot. They like to, you know, to basically get the ball out quickly. I feel like that sets up well for Nebraska. Is Oklahoma State good? Like, I, I guess that's the question that I keep coming back to. Is so you've got like, what do we mean by good? I mean, I, I don't know that... Is Minnesota good, I guess, would be the way that I would respond to that? I mean, Minnesota beat Oklahoma State. Right. And Oklahoma State didn't look very good in that game, I didn't think. It might have just been a terrible camera angle at your guys' Viking Stadium when they were playing, but... Um, Oklahoma State's 4-5. and five. What'd you say? Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, they've played, they've played a tough schedule, but, I mean, that's going to be... A very, very, very pro Nebraska crowd up there. Like you're probably going to have the entire town of Dolan, South Dakota. There, you're going to get a lot of people driving up. It's a cool, cool venue. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that should be. I mean, Nebraska should feel like they are going to go and win that game. So, I mean, I, I think the matchup's good for them. I think Nebraska will go three and zero over these this stretch. The thing that concerns me a little bit is you go from playing a game every two, three days, one and Nebraska week. plays one a week, three and 21 days, you know, can you stay focused? Can you get dialed up? Maybe that helps them get over the fact that, you know, you want a pretty emotional game against Creighton that you had a whole week off to do finals and stuff like that. A desperate game, some would say. Some might say that. We, we definitely don't have to get into that. But I was kind of fascinated by how that took a life of its own on Saturday. The whole quote was okay. Yeah, it's when you pull the snippet. Yeah, it that the little snippet didn't re- read particularly well. 
What do you uh before we we jump off of basketball? What are your thoughts on what Nebraska has gotten from Hyman and Borchard this year? Because it's far better than what I expected, and I thought that would be a uh, a bigger deal. And those guys have held up pretty well, and they each had their own moments at times too. Would, here's a question. Coming into this season, if I would have said that Brady Hyman would have eight points and five rebounds, how many games do you think it would have taken him to get there? Would you have said earlier in the year? Conference play? I, I thought he needed a red shirt, so. Yeah. He had that was an incredibly efficient performance against Minnesota. Yeah, he was very good. He was out of breath by the end of it, but he was uh, he was very good. He he's got really nice touch around the hoop. Actually, that's probably the thing that I've noticed the most about the Brady Hyman experience is that generally Nebraska's big men, when they put up a shot around Mm -hmm. the hoop, it just kind of clangs very hard off of the iron. Uh, Whether we go back to Alex Marich or more recently Jordy Shimanga or any of the other people in between. Moses. Touch hasn't been the uh, – Moses wasn't getting a shot up. Doobie. Doobie might have. He would have dunked it. Yeah. That's about it for him. I think but, uh, Hyman, from what I've heard behind the scenes, you haven't seen it a lot in games yet, but he, he can shoot it a bit from the outside too. Like he's going to – I think he's going – in another year or two, you could see him develop into a really good – like pick and pop type guy where you know he can step out and hit that that mid-range shot um so i i think he's a better recruit than a lot of us probably thought oh yeah i mean if we're just being blunt i think when he got offered there was a lot of people thought well that's a token yep they got to get a guy in state for pr basically and uh turns out he's going to be useful he right now is working with Nebraska's scout team, and they're doing that just to make sure that he gets more reps against Nebraska's best players. So he's working part-time with the, with the top group, primarily with the scout team. He's still doing the entire Nebraska redshirt weightlifting program on top of it. So, I mean, for him to be performing as well as he is with all that on his plate, just getting adjusted to the college game, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And – you know, the thing about him that I, I've found is that he's always – he understands positioning on the floor really well. And I, I think that that's, you know, what he – what has allowed him to have the success that he has is that he just seems like he's in a good position when he catches the ball to either pass it or, or to take a shot. I think he's he understands rebounding pretty well. I, I think that's – I think that's something that really surprised Nebraska was how advanced his basketball IQ was for understanding those things. And then Borkhart, the thing about him is Nebraska's had guys come off the bench before where occasionally they'll have that game where you're like, oh, that was nice, and they'll get the nice hand from the crowd for two minutes of work because people are kind of surprised that they actually did something well almost. And I actually – when he goes in the game, it's not like, oh, gosh, can he handle this? He's, like, formidable. You know, like he – it feels like you're not – gonna lose anything he's gonna you know he's gonna bust his butt you know and he's gonna play sound for you and he doesn't look it doesn't look like chaos when he's out there like it does with some guys we've seen come off the bench where it's a, Moses their arms are flailing and, you know Jerry. it's yeah got, no I I get what you're saying exactly and I would say the area where that's probably been most surprising is that he's been pretty good in terms of defense and rim protection 
even what against Minnesota, he played pretty well. He certainly did against Creighton. Uh, he does a nice job rebounding too, uh, which is an area where Nebraska has to, to continually get better. I think it's still one of their weaker points of their game. I never understood if it's because they just don't match up well in terms of picking guys that they're boxing out or they don't think about it. But uh, they rebounded better against a Creighton team that's not a particularly good rebounding team. They did okay against Minnesota until late, and then they fell apart entirely. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went back and watched that Nebraska-Creighton game too, and it was it was the thing that stood out was how – in years past, everything that seemed to go Creighton's way, those 50-50 balls, uh, key foul, block charge, you know, calls at, at the wrong minute, uh, wrong time. I mean, stuff like that, it just all went Nebraska's way. And it, I, I, that was kind of, I think, what uh, was the most remarkable to me. was It was like I was waiting for, like, Grant Gibbs to come in and get, like, a really bad charge call or something like that, turn the tide. You're waiting for Grant Gibbs to come in, punch somebody, and then the foul will be called on the person that he punched? For example, yes. Seems like that has played out in the past. I love the Nebraska Creighton hatred. I don't have a lot of love for uh, for Creighton. I love it, though. It's my, I like – because Nebraskans are usually so – like, well, it's it's a Nebraska team. You know, there's kind of right. that. Like, if it's a Nebraska – if Peyton Manning says Omaha on an audible call, we all got to, like, stand up and be proud of that, <laughs> like, together, you know. Am I right? Like, it's That's like – I mean, Brunts was proud, but – Yeah. It's like he said Omaha, It, it got gosh. a little – you can still buy those T-shirts at Epley Airfield, by the way. Yeah. Like, that's – and they're not on the clearance rack either. <laughs> Full price. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way we are. But when it comes to Nebraska Creighton, people have put that line in the sand. Yep. And it, was, it was great. It was a, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the PBA, I'll be curious if they get other games like that. Because they've got some other decent Saturday games. You have Ohio State. You have some other ones. Uh, I, people around here are, are thirsty for a basketball winner. So. And blood if they lose. And blood. They're, they're very much – I feel like I've been chased away from Twitter on with basketball anymore. I just don't want to – Yeah. I don't want to do it. And this is me after losing my mind Monday with a Vikings game. All right. So, if you can chase me away from Twitter, you've really accomplished something. That's why you got to cut the cord and go streaming because then you won't tweet during games. Yeah, okay. and I actually – I mean, I think <laughs> that's going to be a big benefit for me. Well, anything else? Get us out of here? Well, it's over an hour. Do we want to oh. promise that we'll be back next week, or should we never do that again? Well, I think we probably should, given that next week is signing day. Yeah, but that's on a Wednesday. Yeah. It could be hard. We could do both. We've got the strength. Oh, wow. We've got the manpower. Well, we might be we back can build next it. week with the, uh, the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. But if you don't want to listen to us talk about various things, you can read our great writing at Husker247.com, uh, where there will be a ton of recruiting coverage between – now and then directly after signing day for a few days. We also have a great offer going on right now if you want to be a VIP subscriber, and I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to be. But if you do and you're not yet, you can get two months for the price of one right now. Say what? Two months, Brian. Two. (laughs) For one? For one. Whoa. That is a two for one, (laughs) something that rarely happens in Nebraska basketball when they're under a minute even though some of us have been waiting for years to see it. But you can get a two-for-one for yourself at Husker 
and that would get you two months. That gets you the rest of December. That gets you into January. That gets you all the way to the next signing day. You need to throw up that shot with 41 seconds on the clock. Yeah, you, you want the two-for-one. <laughs> Hoist away. Smart people go for the two-for-one. We'll put it that way. But you can get that right now at Husker 24-7. Anything you guys want to plug? No. You hit it. Apparently, they're working hard over there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have recruiting visitors this weekend. There's going to be some decisions upcoming. Frost has a key in-home left. There's a lot going on. you got the whole network. Find it all at Husker247.com.